This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. calls us to be holy and perfect. Is that hard? It's not hard. It's impossible. How am I going to be as holy as God and perfect as God? We always say, I'm not as holy as God. I'm not as perfect as God. Anybody perfect? We know that. Okay? But the idea here is that, you know, practically, we're not holy or perfect because, not practically, but positionally because who we are in Christ. Okay? Have you ever had to live up to a standard that was too hard? Maybe it was a standard that your boss held you to and you just couldn't reach it. God also calls us to a standard, but His standard is perfection. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be sharing how the only way we can meet this standard is by being positioned in Christ. If God looks at us and we are in Christ, He's seeing the perfection of Christ that is placed in us upon salvation. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 as he continues his message, God's discipline proves his love. They have passed the age where they are now to manhood, womanhood. So that's what it means a few days. You only have it for a season time. Children given to us for a season time. And we must understand that. They're not going to live with us forever, right? They have to go and live their own life, right? So there's no more discipline, right? That's a few days, okay? And then he goes on to say, after a few days, he goes on to say, for they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them. You know, is it always best? We don't know. Parents don't sometimes don't know how to properly discipline their children. Okay? But we know, we know that when God chastens us, our Heavenly Father, it's always perfect. It's always right. We can never say, oh, it's not fair, Lord. You know? You know, it's one thing I never say to God. I never say. I always say, God, no matter what I'm going, you're always right. You're always in control, and that is it. If there's anything wrong, it's not with the Lord, it's with me. And I think we need to be careful. Lord, why me? Why not you? Why are you so special? You're a golden child? No. You know, God shows partiality to no one. But instead, blaming God for what you're going through, ask, Lord, Lord, forgive me. It's not your fault. Just show me. If I'm doing anything wrong, show me. Because you're always right. You're always perfect. You're always on time. And we need to be obedient to that. But God is always perfect when he disciplines us. But look at the end of verse 10. Look what it says. But, but, he, speaking of the Lord, you know, when he disciplines us, it is for our profit that we may be partakers of holiness. This is the reason why he chastens us as children of God. You know, because it is for us, so we would profit from it. That, you know, we become holy. We take on his holiness. God's discipline is always perfect. He's always right. He does it with love. He does it with mercy. He does it with grace. And he never does it out of impulse. He never disciplines you out of impulse. 
And I, as a police officer, I went to home where, you know, sadly, there are some parents there abuse their children. Okay? Without cause. Without reason. They just get angry. They have issues. There's a lot of kids that are suffering in homes, even in our country. But we're talking to here, not the Lord. The Lord is faithful. He doesn't treat you like a stepson or a stepdaughter. That's not biblical. Okay? That's not biblical. There's no such thing as a stepson, the daughter of God. We're all sons and daughters of God. The objective is that, that we may become partakers of his holiness. Because everything we go through, every trials, tribulation, God is fashioning us into his holy people to set us apart for his good purpose. That's what it's all about. We may just rear off and, and just drift off, but God is the one bringing us back. Sometimes he has to chasten us. As a good shepherd, you ever see the image of Jesus holding a, he holds a sheep over his shoulder? And, and that's the image because that's what a shepherd does to a sheep that continue going astray. You see, with a sheep, when the sheep goes astray, he keeps going astray. The shepherd's got to say, okay, this little one's going to get caught by a wolf. This one keeps running off on its own. Well, you know what they do is they actually detach the leg from the socket. They'll take that sheep that's a troll. They detach the leg. Sometimes they break it, right? That's discipline. That's chastening. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The staff is to protect me. The rod is to correct me. That's the psalm. But here's the thing. Something happens when Jesus Christ is holding the sheep around his shoulder. Or the shepherd would hold the sheep around while the leg is healing. Something else is healing. It's not only the physical leg that's healing, but it's the, the relationship. It is that point where the sheep is now have a relation with the shepherd, never wants to depart. Once it's healed, he puts now the sheep. Sheep will never leave. So when you see an image of Jesus with a, it's not Jesus, by the way, so don't pray to it. But an image of a shepherd holding the sheep around his shoulder. It's not saying, oh, I got to, you know, I just want to carry this one, you know. Like, I got nothing to do. I'm just going to carry this one. All the 500 ones can just go on their feet. No, it's because that's the sheep that has gone astray. The leg is healing. The relationship is coming. It's painful. But what happens? The relationship draws us near to the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. His staff and his rod comforts me. The staff, they know how to use that shepherd's crook. They, they use it like a, like a spear. If the wolf would come, they, they learn how to hit the spear, the, you know, that shepherd crook, not only to grab the sheep, but also to protect the sheep. But the rod is what brings correction. Some of those lambs, you know, they're not, you know, really cute all the time, you know? <laughs> I don't know if you've seen, I, see, I should have kept it. But anyway, I had it. Somebody put it on Facebook. This shepherd is just bringing all these sheep coming, and one just ran behind him, boom, knocked them off. I said, wow, you know? That's a bad, they do that. They have personality. But anyhow, God loves us. And it's for our profit that we may draw near to him, draw closer to him. So when you're chasing, don't despise it and don't be discouraged. Look at verse 7. We're running out of time. We got another hour, so we keep on going. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Oh, really? Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peace. Here it is. This is what it is. It yields peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. When you're disciplined by God, this is what it does. Peaceable fruit of righteousness. You, this is what you produce. Why? Well, the Lord chastened me. Now you become fruitful. Not only for yourself, but those around you. 
once trained. So now, this is the chastening. We looked at a verse 5.11, verses 5.11. Now, we're going to see, after all this, we're going to need to re- renew our spiritual lives in verses 12 to 17. Let's look at verse 12. It says, Therefore, strengthening the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, verse 13, and make straight path your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. And so we're to endure this. We need to endure as we continue on. Now we're physically put up the posture. You've been disciplined. Okay, get up on your, that's it. Move on. Now this, you know, keep it in context. It might refer to the running of race, right? Or your daily walk with the Lord. But get back up. Get back up. Become strong. Look at verse 14. He said, pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all people. Now, I want to give you an illustration with this because then it may seem like, okay, out of nowhere, we're not going to now uh, pursue peace with all people. I'll give you a best illustration. You know, my brother, there's four of us, four boys. My mother needed a lot of prayer. Four boys. And whenever one of us would get disciplined, you know, after mom or dad walked out of the room, we get so angry. And guess what? We start fighting with our brothers. You ever seen that? I'm the only one. Sometimes we make fun of them. <laughs> you, got, you got beat up. Ah, mom gave you a whipping. You know, we start, you know, we start bobbing. But sometimes we get upset. I've seen it with other kids. I see their mother discipline their child. And then when the mother leaves, they get mad. Get out of here. Leave me alone. Now they're angry at everybody. And the same thing could happen. Again, God would discipline you. He chases you because he loves you. Don't despise Okay, don't despise it. Don't be discouraged. But here, if you know you're in that place where, okay, this is painful. Don't take it out of people around you. That's what it's saying here, right? In Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Paul tells us, if it's possible, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all people. As much depends on you. And it say, find out who's wrong or right. As much depends on you. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. So we're to pursue peace and holiness without which no one can see the Lord, right? The Lord said to the children of Israel, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2, said, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Also, Jesus took it a step further. He said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. So the scriptures calls us to be holy and perfect. Is that hard? It's not hard. It's impossible. How am I going to be a holy as God and perfect as God? We always say, I'm not as holy, I'm not, I'm not as perfect as God. Anybody perfect? Well, we know that. Okay? But the idea here is that, you know, practically, we're not holy or perfect because, not practically, but positionally because who we are in Christ. Okay? Notice it said pursue holiness. It didn't say produce holiness because any of us, we can't produce anything holy aside from Christ. You see, a heart to corrupt, who can know it, right? People say, well, you don't know my heart. Well, according to the Bible, yes, the Bible says your heart is corrupt. I may not know your intentions. You're right there. So let's get this right. I know your heart because it's the same as my heart and everybody else's heart. The Bible says the heart is corrupt, who can know it? That's a fact. I may not know your intentions. Nobody knows that but God, okay? We can't produce anything holy. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul writes this. For he made him, he the father, made him the son who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. We're righteous not because of anything we've done. We're righteous because of what Christ has done. Okay, righteous, 
practically we're not. We have a long ways to go. Some of us even longer. Me, beyond that. <laughs> but positionally who we are, we're righteous. So verse 15 says, now look carefully. In the King James Version, it says, look diligently. We're to look carefully. What are we looking for? What is it? It's not a what. It's not. It's that we're to look to Jesus. Back in verse 2 of chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We're constantly looking to Jesus. We're to look to Jesus. And if we don't look to Jesus, there are dangers, okay? And here, the writer of Hebrews gives us three dangers that are listed for us here. Three dangers to be careful. We're to avoid these things. We're to fix our eyes on Christ. If we don't, here's danger number one. Lest, lest anyone falls short of the grace of God. Lest anyone falls short of the grace of God. We all fall short of the grace of God, right? If anyone thinks they don't, then you're a liar. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, for all have sinned, not some, not the elected or the unelected, but all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the full short here is a moral separation, is sin, and that's what separates us. He said, but lest we fall short of the grace of God, but the point is not to fall short of the grace of God, if you remember, back in chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews tells us to now come boldly to the throne of grace, right? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, he writes this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So, we are to come boldly. That's number one. Number one. Here's number two, the, the second danger. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Many become defiled. Now, the root of bitterness will cause, you know, after, if you're not taking the word of God, you've been chastened by the Lord. And if you despise it, you take it lightly or you allow it to consume you. And what's going to happen? There's going to be a root of bitterness, not being peaceful with all people, there could be a root of bitterness. And bitterness is contagious. Listen, it's contagious. The root of bitterness, if you feel there's any bitterness in your heart, repent and go before the Lord before you get around anyone because it's like cancer. You know, we tend to think of the physical things that are contagious that we can catch the, and now we're in a season where people get this, get that all over. But, you know, we don't understand that there is a spiritual battle. There's things that are negative, that's contagious, that we can get for someone else, or we can give to others. And that's the root of bitterness. That's why he says, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and, and by this many people around them become defiled. It's contagious. And you know, you came across a lot of them. They start complaining, there's doubt, there's denial, Right? A commentator, he's a Jewish messianic, a believer in Jesus Christ, a great commentator if you get his commentaries. His name is Arnold G. Falchenbaum. This is what he writes in his commentary, Arnold G. Falchenbaum, and he has a few commentaries. But this is what he, he writes. He said, people with a root of bitterness cause division and split churches. They defile others by talking against the leaders of the church. The first step affects only the individual, but the second step begins to affect others as well. They fail to have peace with all men. And it's dangerous. Where it becomes slanderous, they're talking about, you know, people, and you know what, just avoid people like that. But it's because there's a root of bitterness. That's the second warning. And here's the third 
lest there be any fornicator. Now, fornicator here is not looking at the sexual fornication, but it's a spiritual fornication. It's a spiritual, it means a spiritual unfaithfulness. And what does that mean? It means anything that is done in the flesh that causes us to turn away from God. Okay, spiritual idolatry, okay, spiritual unfaithfulness, spiritual adultery. Children of Israel know what spiritual adultery is. Why? Because they were supposed to be belonging to God. They use other gods and idols. They committed spiritual adultery, you see. And so this is spiritual. So it says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. He's going to give us an example. Who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. One morsel of food sold his birthright. This brings us back to, he gives the example of Esau in Genesis chapter 25. You remember the story, right? Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. Esau was born first and Jacob, right? The Lord already had made a plan that Jacob would be the one. He will be the firstborn. That doesn't mean he was born first, right? And so the Lord, when, when Rachel was, was pregnant with the two, and she said to the Lord, Lord, why is this going on in my womb? He's, and the Lord said, you have two nations in your womb. The older shall serve the younger. The older, Esau, will serve the younger, Jacob. God already planned that, but you could see the mess they did. Try moving the hand of God. You know, they split the family. They try to deceive, you know, old Isaac, who was blind at this time, Right? But going back to Esau, Esau was the one, he was that tough guy. Esau was that tough guy. Isaac loved Esau, but he was a man's man. He was the one that went hunting. He's the kind of guy that had the shotgun in the back of the pickup truck, okay? He was a man that he went hunting. He said, hey, dad, I got this. Oh, good boy, good boy, Esau. Now, Jacob was in the tent with mom watching the cooking channel, right? He loved, and so he learned this recipe. He cooked a stew, right? Now, Jacob apparently went, you know, I'm just trying to make a long story short. Apparently, Esau couldn't find anything. It probably was a famine, right? But he was hungry, hungry. He was the firstborn. Technically, he should have been, right, he was born first, so he had the firstborn rights, okay? And so look what he said. When he was hungry, he saw Jacob just naked. He has got a new recipe from the cooking channel. He's trying it out. Whoa, this is good. Chili. And he's hungry. And Jacob said, well, if you want some of my stew, I learned this from the Iron Chef. I got the recipe. And he says, sell, you know, sell me your birthright. Look what he says in Genesis 25, verse 32. And Esau said to Jacob, Behold, I'm at the point to die. No, he's starving to death. What profit shall this birthright do to me? No, I don't care about a birthright. Hey, you can have it. Just let me get that bowl of chili. You know? Look what it says in verse 17. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, not the birthright, there's two things, the birthright and a blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. He cried. He realized, oh, I, got, I got the birthright. I got rid of the birthright. All he cared was the blessing. What is the blessing? The inheritance. The mansion. The car. Okay? The money. All, that's what he wanted. Okay? But the only way you can get that, more importantly, it was to be the spiritual leader. Remember, the genealogy that started from Genesis all is, ta- is bringing the Messiah. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. 
It could have been Esau, but Esau, he, all he cared about was a bowl of chili. He got rid of the birthright, but when the time came, all he wanted was the blessing. He wanted the, the fortune. And what this is, is Esau fornication and profane heart caused him to cave into what many of us do cave and man does is temporary gratification. Temporary gratification. For a single meal, he lost his inheritance. Temporary gratification, right? We know what that's like. When you go on a diet, okay. All right, I'm in, I'm in Dunkin' Donuts. It's di- I'm on a diet. I want to lose a few ounces. Well, many pounds, right? Donut, you know that if you take it, what does it say? A moment on the lips, forever on the hips, right? You take it instantly, right? You take it, and what's going to happen? You hit the scale, it's like five pounds over, right? <laughs> the same way, a moment of pleasure, a lifetime of suffering. And many people, instant gratification. They wanted to do something. Oh, I'm just going to please my pleasure, please the flesh. And you're going to reap you know, a long time of suffering. And here's the picture. The birthright. In the same way, we have this birthright. We've been born again through Jesus Christ. Because we're born again, we get the blessing. We inherit the kingdom of God. Right? Because we've been born again. And the world is like Esau, or those who reject Christ, say, I don't want this birthright. I just want to go to heaven. How many people we know, they want to go to heaven, but they don't want to believe in God. Uh, in order to go to heaven, you need to believe in God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man goes to the Father except through me, right? They want to enter the kingdom, but they don't want to worship the king. So it's the same way. They don't care about the birthright. They don't care about being born again spiritually through Christ, but they want to go to heaven. And that's the warning here. Don't let the... The chasing of the Lord. Do not despise it. Do not be discouraged. Do not get in the flesh. Be at peace with all people. Don't have a heart that's bitter. Say, you know, when you're being challenged, man, the Lord loves me. He loves me. He loves me enough to die on the cross, but didn't stop there. He continued on to chasten me, rebuke me, to, so that I could be more and more like Jesus, so I could be holy because he's holy, that I could be righteous because he's righteous, that I may glorify him, that my life that I live would be a fruitful life, that would be a fruit of righteousness to those around me, that I may glorify God. So do not despise, do not be discouraged when God chastens you. Say, Lord, give me another. Discipline me as much as you want. And I've said this before. Pray about conviction. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. That's healthy when the Holy Spirit convicts you. Not condemnation. That's the enemy. Now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But chastening is healthy. I'm running the race. I'm running the race. Thanks for listening to Running the Race Radio with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie is leading us through a study of Hebrews. The series is called, Jesus is Better. And you might be getting a clearer picture of the supremacy of Christ. Jesus represented everything in the Old Testament and fulfilled it so wonderfully. Maybe as you're listening today, you're just now realizing all the different ways that Jesus proved to be the Messiah, to be the one that had been promised and prophesied about. Through these scriptures, you're coming to a better understanding of the love, the grace, the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to be for you. It's humbling, isn't it? May these teachings continue to bring you closer to the Lord as you see His heart for you. 
Running the Race Radio is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, look us up right now. Head on over to runningtheraceradio.com. Once more, that's runningtheraceradio.com. When you get there, click back to the homepage for more information about the church, including directions and service times. We'd love to invite you to come and join us on Sunday mornings. And for those of you who live further away, we're delighted to let you know that on the same website, you can find many other messages from Pastor Eddie. That's at runningtheraceradio.com. Well, thanks for joining us today. We've come to the end of our time together. But we'll be back again next time, right here on Running the Race. See you then.